Lady. And you're just like, exactly. And you're like, Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Ostrom. He's the Velvet Voice country legend whose sound has become iconic to generations. He came to define an entire era of smooth country and adult contemporary music. This week, we're talking about the gambler himself, the legendary... Kenny Rogers. But first, do you hold them, fold them, walk away, or do you run? Uh, it depends on if the Gatlin boys are around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, um, it's a very situational kind of thing. Depends on what's going on. Um, it really all just comes down to what condition my condition is in at the time. <laughs> mm. Well, I can tell you this. I certainly never, ever count my money when I'm sitting at the table. But for real, do you have any hold them, fold them, walk away, run? Uh, <laughs> I always hold them. Hold them? I, I, I used to hold them, but now I fold them. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have anything else. I think I said what I needed to say. I think so. Uh, that sounds like somebody who runs away from their problems. I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Someone <laughs> might call me the coward of the county. Uh, we're going to stop this right now, folks. Kenny Ray Rogers was born in Houston on August 21st, 1938, to a nurse's assistant and a carpenter. He grew up in the Houston area, and it was clear that music was his first calling. Before graduating high school, he formed his first band, a doo-wop group called The Scholars, and he never looked back. At only 19 years old, Rogers had a minor solo hit called That Crazy Feeling. A song that was so popular, he performed it on American Bandstand. But when sales slowed, he returned to the University of Texas and found himself playing stand-up bass in a band called the Bobby Doyle Three. Doyle was a blind jazz vocalist and pianist from Austin, who'd previously been in the local band The Slades, and while the band mostly played in clubs in Texas, they managed to secure a recording contract with Columbia Records. Rogers sang high harmony on the band's only album. The group disbanded in 1965, with Doyle going on to have a successful jazz and blues solo career. Rogers stuck with the music business as well, recording a single for Mercury Records called Here's That Rainy Day. It didn't go very far, but like many working musicians of the day who were searching for their first hit, he found work as a producer, writer, and session musician for others, including Mickey Gilley and Eddie Arnold. If you remember, we talked about Barry Allen. He had kind of the same situation where he became a producer and talent scout for a while. At any rate, in 1966, Rogers joined the New Christie Minstrels as a singer and as the double bass player. Now, this is a legendary large folk ensemble and had been quite popular a few years before, but was declining in popularity by the mid-60s. This is because their sound, which was once groundbreaking, was now considered passe and commercial compared to, compared to Bob Dylan or the Birds. There's 14 members in this band, so it's not like Rogers really stood out. Now, as a side note, they existed for 10 years in their first incarnation and recorded over 20 albums. And if you've seen the movie A Mighty Wind, the band, the new Main Street Singers, are based on this group. Oh, I've seen A Mighty Wind. It's, that movie's <laughs> pure genius. Yeah. For music nerds. Well, imagine 14 people. 
playing uh, guitars and banjos. And, well, it's just yeah, that singing. kind of day. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Seeking to set out on their own, Rogers and fellow members of the minstrels Mike Settle, Terry Williams, and Thelma Camacho broke off to form their own band. They called it the First Edition, and they uh, started playing in 1967. They became a tremendous success and racked up a string of hits on both the pop and country charts, including Just Dropped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In, But You Know I Love You, Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town, Tell It All, Brother, Reuben James, and Something's Burning. Rogers took center stage in the group, and by the time Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town was released, the band had officially been renamed Kenny Rogers in the first edition. The good times didn't last long, though. The first edition broke up in 1976, and Rogers picked up his solo career in earnest. He expanded the formula the first edition had used and developed a middle-of-the-road sound that appealed to both pop and country fans. Rogers signed a deal with United Artists and partnered with producer Larry Butler to start recording not long after Rogers left the first edition. Their first work together was the album Love Lifted Me, which made it to the charts. Now, the album had two minor hits, the title track, the gospel standard, Love Lifted Me, as well as his own song, While the Feeling's Good. Roger's second album came out a few months later in 1976. This one was self-titled, Kenny Rogers, and featured the song Lucille, which was a massive hit. It's the one song everybody knows, and it made it to number one on the pop charts in 12 countries, sold more than 5 million copies, and definitively established Rogers as a solo success. Lucille also helped propel the album to number one on the Billboard Country Album Chart. Over the next several years, Rogers released successful albums one right after the next. The next album, The Gambler, went multi-platinum, giving him another top 40 hit and a number one country hit with the title track, as well as a great nickname. The next album, another album, 1980's Kenny, included the international number one and iconic single, Coward of the County. In addition to his solo work in the late 70s, Rogers teamed up with his friend, country legend Dottie West, for two albums. This partnership earned them two Country Music Association awards and two Grammy nominations. They also sold out stadiums and arenas for several years as they toured together, and they appeared on several network specials as well. In a press release in 1978, Rogers credited West with establishing and cementing his career with country audiences, while she credited him with helping her reach new audiences. Decades later, in 1995, a few years after West's tragic death in a car accident, Rogers said, She more than anybody else I ever worked with sang with such emotion that you actually believed what she sang. A lot of people sing words. Dottie West sang emotions. His partnership with West wasn't the only successful one for Rogers, though. In 1980, Rogers recorded You and Me with TV's Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, on her television music special, a song that he'd originally recorded with West. He went on to record Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer with fellow new Christie Minstrel alumni Kim Carnes, which became a major hit. Finally, Rogers had one of his biggest hits, Lady, which had been written and produced by Lionel Richie for Rogers' greatest hits album and was the number one hit on the Billboard charts. I know, it's such a great song. Lady was one of the great hits of the 80s and is currently number 60 on Billboard's all-time top 100. It also became the first record of the 1980s to chart on all four of Billboard magazine's singles charts, Country, Hot 100, Adult Contemporary, and R&B Singles. The Richie Rogers train kept rolling in 1981 as their partnership was mutually beneficial. Rogers got a number one hit, 
which that has its benefits. Richie had pitched Lady to his own group, the Commodores, and they'd rejected it. Smart move, guys. Uh, producing a song for Rogers was the first step Richie took towards a hugely successful solo career. In 1981, Lionel Richie produced Rogers' full album, Share Your Love, which topped, which topped the charts and included three top 20 hits. Rogers also released his first Christmas album in 1981. In addition, he expanded his musical reach by buying the old ABC Dunhill building and building one of the most popular and state-of-the-art recording studios in Los Angeles. Later, Rogers and Richie teamed up again for the multi-artist mega-hit We Are the World, which was recorded at Rogers' studio in 1985. It was co-produced and co-written by Lionel Richie, and Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers both had feature parts in the song. You can see them on the video. This would later lead to Rogers and Richie co-chairing the Hands Across America effort, which was an effort to fight hunger in America, and that occurred the next year, 1986. Some of us remember going out and linking hands with people all over the country way back when. Finally, some years later, in 2012, Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers sang Lady as a duet on Richie's album Tuskegee. Throughout the 1980s, Rogers continued to be a machine in the studio. He had released eight albums in the 70s as a solo artist, and he'd record another 13 in the 80s, as well as numerous songs for compilations and soundtracks. He continued to find success with duets. In 1982, he did a cover of the Bob Seger hit, We've Got Tonight, with pop star Sheena Easton, earning a number one on the country charts. 1983 saw his biggest success ever with another duet. That year, disco legend Barry Gibb produced Kenny's album, Eyes That See in the Dark. On that album, Rogers teamed up with country music icon Dolly Parton to record Islands in the Stream. It was the first release from the album and hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Islands in the Stream went platinum and sold two million copies in the United States. The two singers reunited in 1984 for a holiday album named Once Upon a Christmas and a TV special, Kenny and Dolly, A Christmas to Remember. They had another country singles chart topper with Real Love in 1985. They partnered off and on all the way until 2013 when they released the single you can't make old friends. Success followed success, and another hit that followed was 1984's What About Me? with James Ingram and Kim Carnes, which was nominated for a Grammy, and 1985's Heart of the Matter, which hit number one on the album charts. In 1988, Rogers won a Grammy for Best Country Collaboration with Vocals with Ronnie Millsap for Make No Mistake, She's Mine. In 1989, he released another Christmas album, Christmas in America, Rogers continued his success in the 90s with singles like The Factory, Crazy in Love, If You Want to Find Love, and The Greatest. In 1994, he released what he called his dream album, Timepiece. It took him back to his roots and consisted of 30s and 40s jazz standards like the ones he played back in his days with the Bobby Doyle 3. Rogers branched out to other mediums during his solo career. Of course, in the 1970s, having primetime TV variety specials was a prerequisite, because apparently TV was a barren wasteland, uh, and so Rogers starred in several of those. 1982, though, he starred in the feature film Six Pack, playing a race car driver who finds himself responsible for a van full of orphan car thieves, including a very young Diane Lane. Love that movie. <laughs> and I love that, that movie, too. You know what? I propose we go watch that movie for a 
ca- uh, come and take it watches because it's set in Texas. Hey, I'm so not arguing with you. Let's do I, it. I, I second that. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, well, at any rate, Rogers already had starred in a TV movie about the coward of the county, but he found real success in a series of TV movies based on his song, The Gambler. This ran well into the 1990s, and it garnered more than 100 million viewers for the entire series. That's There's like five, five TV movies that he did. Wow. Or just for the gambler, gambler yep. character. Yeah. At any rate, he also made a number of other TV movies over the years. And I remember this. He hosted the show The Real West on A&E from 1991 to 1994. And this was a, sort of a documentary series about stories of the Old West. Now, in common with many of his contemporaries who tired of touring and just wanted their fans to come to see them, Rogers bought into Branson's 4,000-seat Grand Palace Theater, where he headlined from 1992 to 1995. Rogers also nurtured a quiet love for photography and released two photo books, Kenny Rogers' America and Your Friends and Mine. He was invited to the White House and shot a portrait of then-First Lady Hillary Clinton. In 2012, Rogers released his memoir, Luck or Something Like It, about his long and storied musical career. Perhaps inspired by or related to racing, as depicted in Six Pack, Rogers lent his name to the sprint car racing team Gambler Chassis Company, who in turn took their name from his hits. The team was highly successful in the 80s and 90s, winning numerous victories and titles both in the United States and Australia. Of course, his most famous and successful, for a time, outside venture involved chicken. In 1991, Rogers collaborated with former KFC CEO John Y. Brown Jr. to start up Kenny Rogers Roasters, a fast food chicken chain. By 1995, however, the menu expanded to include turkey, ribs, and various side dishes and grew to over 350 restaurants in the U.S., Canada, the Middle East, and, of course, Asia. The establishment became so well-known that an entire episode of Seinfeld, The Chicken Roaster, was dedicated to Kramer's love of Kenny Rogers Roaster's chicken. Sadly, the chain was dogged by lawsuits and competition from KFC and other rotisserie chains like Boston Market. By 1998, the chain filed for bankruptcy and was bought by Nathan's Famous for restructuring. The last North American store closed in 2011, but the international business, which is owned by a Malaysian corporation, is a thriving enterprise. So Kenny Rogers' name and chicken is known around the world. Still, because <laughs> Seinfeld, hey, Seinfeld is in reruns, so people still okay. think they can get that chicken. I guarantee <laughs> you. Music still remained Roger's first love. In the year 2000, he hit number one on the country charts again for the first time in over a decade with Buy Me a Rose, a song sung with Alison Krauss and Billy Dean. In addition to this personal milestone, he broke a 26-year record by becoming the oldest artist to have a number one single. Now, he didn't really hold the title long as fellow Texan Willie Nelson took it from him just three years later with Beer for My Horses, a duet with Toby Keith. Rogers released several collection and compilation albums over the next few years, but didn't release another full studio album until 2006. It enjoyed minor success with the song I Can't Unlove You, peaking at number 17 on the country charts. While not remarkable in itself, it did occur 50 years after his first group had formed and 38 years after his first major hit. 
Another song from that album, Calling Me, featured fellow Texan Don Henley. A song from another album, Calling Okay, another song from the album, Calling Me, featured fellow Texan Don Henley. Um, and as we mentioned in our episode about Don Henley, uh, Kenny Rogers had helped Don Henley start his career years before. Uh, this song was nominated for a Grammy in 2007. By the late 2000s, Rogers' concerts were mostly medley. <clears throat> By the late 2000s, Kenny Rogers' concerts were mostly medley shows where he'd just sing parts of his vast number of hits. And it's hard to do a show when you've had 60 top 40 hits just as a solo artist, plus all your songs with the association. In 2009, Rogers undertook his 50th anniversary tour and the next year taped a TV special called Kenny Rogers, The First 50 Years, featuring Dolly Parton and Lionel Richie for the Great American Country Cable Network. Also, there's a Great American Country Cable Network. <laughs> GAC. In 2013, Rogers was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, and he, re- and he released a new album, You Can't Make Old Friends. This was the title track uh, that we mentioned earlier, which was a duet with Dolly Parton. This was the first single he had released in six years. 2015, Rogers announced his farewell tour, The Gambler's Last Deal. The tour was planned to be a marathon with dates going all the way to 2018, including stops in the United States, Australia, the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Switzerland. However, the tour was cut short, and this was on advice from his doctors due to the several health challenges that Rogers was facing since he was nearly 80 years old. Rogers' last concert took place on October 25, 2017 at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Before the concert, Lionel Richie said, A lifetime of friendship, and I could not be more honored to be a part of Kenny's farewell concert celebration. It's going to be a special night. Rogers' impact on music history is probably best demonstrated by the people who joined him on the stage that night. Linda Davis, L. King, Little Big Town, Lionel Richie, Billy Carrington, Lee Greenwood, The Flaming Lips, The Oak Ridge Boys, Justin Moore, Travis Tritt, The Judds, Chris Christopherson, Allison Krauss, Chris Stapleton, Lady Antebellum, Idina Menzel, Crystal Gale, Reba McIntyre, and Jamie Johnson. And of course, Dolly Parton joined Rogers to perform You Can't Make Old Friends and Islands in the Stream for one last time on stage. In all, Kenny Rogers has recorded 65 albums averaging almost one new album released every year of his epic career and selling over 165 million records. Amazingly, he managed to have at least one record chart in seven decades in a row from the 1950s to the 2010s. He is one of the top 10 best-selling male solo artists of all time, winning three Grammys, 19 American Music Awards, 11 People's Choice Awards, eight Academy of Country Music Awards, six Country Music Association Awards, including the Lifetime Achievement, and was awarded the Artist of the Lifetime from CMT. His crossover appeal is legendary, and five of his adult contemporary number ones were also country number ones, a feat that no other artist has ever achieved. That's Kenny Rogers, folks. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what an incredible career with uh, amazing songs. Uh, the sound of Kenny Rogers is um, very much the sound of my childhood. <laughs> There's something um, soothing about it that is in so nostalgic when you listen to yeah, his music. Yeah. Um, I just remember as a kid, we had like a little 12 cassette case 
that uh, was was in the the cab of the truck at all times, and uh, <laughs> among those cassettes were uh, Kenny Rogers' Great Tits and uh, the Kenny Rogers' Christmas album that both came out in the early '80s. And uh, you know, I, Kenny Rogers, like I said, sound of my youth. Well, it's one of those funny things of you know he is around and so prevalent. I found interesting that he. When the Big Lebowski came out, and yes. we're old enough to remember when that came out to see it in theater, it wasn't just something that people had on an old dusty DVD. But I remember seeing that, and it had the condition my condition is in on there, and he, he gave new legs and life to that sound. But he hadn't gone anywhere; he was still doing what he was doing. It was just, yeah, it 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 opened this. There's this whole thing of wow, this guy had so many hits and even if you don't think you know a kenny rogers song i guarantee you as soon as you listen to a couple you will be whisked away to a childhood you know memory of listening to this in your grandpa's dusty old truck well yeah and it's like to me it's like the it's like when we talked about the opening notes to christopher cross's sailing right you hear those opening notes and you're like oh you just kind of sink into this feel you hear him, Kenny Rogers, say "lady" to start that song, lady. and you're just like, exactly. And you're like, oh, it's just like a, it's just like, it's like a, like a slide, in, like you said, a slide into that that pass, you know. Uh, and then you know, I, you know, you, you listen to the gambler, you listen to Coward of the County, you know, the this the part where he said there was three of him, and and you know, he he, he shut the, he shut the door to the to the bar and like. That's such uh, a weird the Gatlin, what are the, the Gatlin boys, you know, they, they, yeah. when he left, they were all on the floor or something like this. Like, those are just like, those are so iconic. That's just, you just can't, that voice is just ridiculously iconic. Yeah. Um, I think what's really interesting to me about Kenny Rogers and taking the spirit is given is that he's a Texan. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, I never really thought of him as a Texan growing up. He was such the embodiment of the Nashville sound. He was such the embodiment of, you know, smooth, easy listening country music. I just assumed that he was from the same place that Perry Como and Frank Sinatra and a bunch of other smooth people that were just, you know, easy listening music came from. I didn't ever occur to me that I was born in Houston. And then he went and wrote all the smooth music. And I I don't mean that as a a put down. It's just he... He never seemed the Willie Nelson, you know what I mean, or the or the George Strait or something. Where it was, wow, that guy is—he is Texas down to his boots. But you know, the early recordings that he was on, they did record when he was in the Bobby in the Bobby Doyle three. They recorded a number of of singles and and uh, uh, just general recordings um, and. Some of those like tower, they were tower rec, uh, townhouse records in Houston, Texas. You know, they, that was that was one of the places that they recorded. Uh, Bobby Doyle himself recorded on Backbeat Records. So, you know, and Kenny Rogers recorded on you know Domino Records and some of the local Texas recording, you know, record companies that that were just doing like you would just do a, a single, you know, a 45 and just sell it out of the back of a truck or something. You know, that was 
you know, he spent years, he spent a full decade of his early life and just toiling in that, that local music scene before he went to LA. So I think it's, you know, it is, it is part of his character that he was, yeah, he ultimately he was from Houston. He went to the university of Texas, you know, he still had that Texas to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you just, you know, he's just so iconic. He was recently, I guess what in the last five or six years in one of those Geico commercials, uh, playing the gambler, you know, (laughs) as a joke, but I mean, he didn't really do very much, but still like, Oh, there's Kenny Rogers. He's a gambler. Yep. He's the gambler. You got to know when to hold him. You got to know when to fold him. Well, I guess, let me, let's close on this is that, you know, if anything for listeners, I would just say that know that Kenny Rogers is a Texan. He is a prolific artist. And he's more than just that guy that was in the gambler movies. I would. I mean, that's really the, what I find really interesting. Is just he's the guy just picked up a guitar and he just went crazy, never stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, six, sixty-five albums is it's remarkable. Colossal amount of music. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm sure there's probably a Kenny Rogers fan podcast out there somewhere. So fighting the urge to just sing all of the songs. So. Well, I'm I am too. I've got a I've got an LP of the Silver Greatest Hits, which was like uh, 25 Greatest Hits, I think. It's a later uh, compilation. It's, it's if you've got a record and Sean's got a record, then that means there's only 164 million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety eight that we have to account for. So if you want to send us an email, drop a line, or hit us on Twitter, you can do that. Let us know what Kenny Rogers records you have on vinyl just sitting around the house. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many of the great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shama, too, and... And I am Scotticus. We'd like to thank our good friend James Abendroth for helping us to research and write today's episode. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Blackguard Press and find his fiction work at blackguardpress.com. If you love this show, we'll tell your friends what's going on and leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and ticket Texas Ranger. We hope you join us next time. And remember... And even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.